0: Welcome back into the Bab to Catholic Show. Today we're wrapping up a two part series, and today's called Great Balls of Fire.
1: Goodness gracious.
0: The Bab to Catholic Show is a podcast exploring the what and how of Catholicism with Baptist fervor.
1: If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and share. Like we said in the intro, uh, today we're working on a the second part of a two part series. Um, last week, if you didn't listen, it was goodness gracious. We talked about grace and the grace of God, and then today we're talking about great balls of fire, which is the uh, not so friendly popular opinion about God, right? That that there's punishment. There's there's
0: separation. Yeah. There's hell. Oh, did you say it?
1: I know, I know, y'all, I know it. But that's what we're talking about. Because honestly, for the last like month, we've been like, let's do something controversial, and <laughs>
0: <laughs> just,
1: to, just to be so controversial. And and it was mm-hmm. really brought to the forefront of our minds too when we went to a um, church service what last weekend, mm-hmm. I guess, and. The it, was, it was to a, it
0: was to a a parish that we don't frequent normally yeah. regularly
1: yeah um the priest said well who even knows if hell's real you know it's a i don't believe in it kind of thing and we yeah. were like
0: I, I don't know if he said i don't believe in it but he he kind of gestured that way at the very least and it was yeah it was disheartening you know um there were some other things said too, that uh Aaron and I both love. I especially, I, I did I was physically upset about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we Which, might, we actually might do. I thought about doing an episode in the future about how to confront, co- maybe confront folks who teach something, or at least hint at things, or maybe, in my mind, really undermine what the church teaches, and mm-hmm. how to do that charitably, right? Because we don't, definitely, we don't want to come at it. Um, you know angry and, and full of self-righteousness mm-hmm. and, and things like that but there are clear teachings of the Catholic Church um, that we must uphold and defend mm-hmm. and know about and teach uh, tell one another and teach our children and, right and, and, and so it's very important
1: and, this and is one of them. yeah, absolutely this is one of them and it's one of them that I think we can all legitimately struggle with mm-hmm. I I can definitely say for myself even it, it's a difficult, um, I I don't, I don't want to say puzzle, but, um, conundrum, maybe, I don't know, in my human mind to understand, okay, God is love, God is mercy. And through that same, those same characteristics, I guess, of God, he is just mm-hmm. as well. And None of us can earn his love. We talked about that grace last week. But if we don't accept it and if we reject it hmm. knowingly, willfully.
0: Persistently.
1: Yeah, then then there is a punishment. And I, I think it's dangerous, to say the least, to question that. It, it may not be something that gives us the warm fuzzies, um, like a lot of things about Christ and, and God do, but it doesn't negate that it's the truth.
0: And yeah. And, and I think, uh, and this is something that becoming Catholic has really helped me with. And I think both of us with is a, is a more fleshed out uh, understanding of hell and what it is and what it means to really send yourself there. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I, I ha- had this idea and I don't know that it was explicitly told to me or not, mm-hmm. but I just had this idea that, you know, if I racked up enough sins, you know, God was going to just, knock me down into hell right Mm -hmm. like he was going to be doing it and 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 kind of like i had to struggle against that and and kind of win right (laughs) and be found in his mercy and goodness and phew you know i I escaped that you know god was ready to hit me but the catholics
1: are the ones that believe in works yeah right, (laughs)
0: exactly yeah Yeah. even though we didn't believe in works that's basically kind of the understanding and you end up being really the the kid or the the aunt that's dodging the kid with a Magnifying, magnifying glass, right? And God's ready to burn you and you just got to make sure you're staying on his good side. And that's a false understanding mm-hmm. of God, right? That's that's not correct. And that's not what the Catholic Church teaches. In fact, what the Catholic Church does teach about e- eternal damnation or hell, okay, uh, is pretty illuminating. Um, it, it doesn't solve probably all of our, our queries and all of our questions and things that we struggle with. But um, it definitely, it definitely helps. And so in this kind of white section of the podcast, I I thought we would talk about this. And first I kind of wanted to reflect back to, uh, the readings for the day that we actually went to that, that mass and that was a little Mm -hmm. bit frustrating. So it was two Sundays ago, it was on the 24th, um, Sunday in ordinary time. Mm -hmm. And you have, um, Peter approaching Jesus asking, Lord, do I forgive seven times? And Jesus is like, no way, 77 times, right? Implying that, you just you just constantly right. forgive. You know, if someone comes to you and they're sorry, you forgive them, right? There's no and ifs or buts or qualifications. You do this and then I'll forgive you. Then I'll love you. You know, we're supposed to be always forgiving um, uh, in that way. And so then he tells the, the parable about the king and the servant and right, uh, the servant owed. I, I think I heard a few different things. Um, Folks say that it's, it's you know, in excess of a billion dollars, basically, mm-hmm. that the servant owes to the king. And he's about to throw him into jail and, you know, make him kind of pay up for it. And what happens? Uh, the servant cries out, have mercy on me. And the king ends up, ends up wiping his slate clean and saying, you know, having pity on him, having mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's allowed to go. And so you have that. And then you have the servant going off, and he finds somebody who owes him money, and it's it's nowhere near that large of a debt, and yet he has him cast into prison. So the the servant that was forgiven all that money, word gets back to the king, right? And then the king throw, throws him into prison, right? You had this opportunity. I gave you mercy. Mm-hmm. And you decided what you were going to do with it, right? Your freedom now, and and you you were going to hold it over somebody else. Mm-hmm. So you weren't gonna you weren't gonna give that same mercy and forgiveness to somebody else that I showed to you. Um, and uh, you know, to me, it makes sense if the first servant, right? If the first servant, it, it could have been a few different. I guess a few different ter- interpretations. Was he really that sorry, or did he really f- receive that forgiveness? And what th- did he bring it into himself? And then so that when he saw that other person, he would forgive. Mm-hmm. Apparently, maybe, maybe not. Right. Um, and so and there's no there's no evidence within the scripture within the parable that Jesus gives that the that the servant was sorry for having condemned yeah. his, his brother. He
1: doesn't ask for forgiveness a second and time. Right. We don't
0: have any. So it would be one thing to interpret God as, you know, vindictive or something if if the servant had done that to his fellow servant and then come back and said, you know what? You're right. I'm so sorry. Would you please forgive me again? We don't have any evidence of that. So maybe he persisted in that. And so if you're not going to be forgiving, Jesus is saying, neither will your father in heaven forgive you. And so there's the balance of a just God and a merciful God, right? And really God is mercy. He's offering that mercy all the time. What he's asking in return is that we give that to other folks.
1: Yeah. It in and, and some often we hear that said like, God is mercy and God is justice. Right. And, and we tend to think about that in our heads as being um like contradictory, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure.
1: And, and it's not it. God's mercy and justice are him. He is entirely that. And it can't, neither can negate the other or, or, take one, you know, take one from, mm-hmm. m- to be more mercy than justice. It is entirely him, period. Yeah.
0: I often get that, and you know this, we've talked about this before, but you get folks who say, well, the God of the Old Testament, he was just, yes. oh, he was so terrible and, and mean, and and he did all these things. And, oh, but the God of the New Testament, he's so forgiving and loving in Jesus. And, oh, I just love him. Well, first of all, I think that betrays a an ignorance of the New Testament and how Jesus, like he does in this parable, says, so will your father do to you, no. right? But at the same time, it's just, anyway, go ahead. I, I want to I, say something in just a second.
1: I think it shows an ignorance of the God of the Old Testament. Oh, that too. Very, very honestly. Um, because look at God again and again right. pursuing the Israelites. And boy, am I an Israelite most days more than not. I'm that one that gets lost in the friggin' desert. Seven days a week, and I can't find my way Moses, out. Moses,
0: take us back to Egypt. Moses.
1: <laughs> yes. Seriously, it, yo,
0: bro, I just pulled you out there.
1: Yes, and I get the manna, and then I'm like, this isn't that tasty anymore. I love it. I, love I am the Israelites, and guess what? God shows them mercy over and yeah. over and over and over again, and he's like, come on, y'all get with it. And to me every day he's like, come on, get with it. And he, he got, I feel it. it yeah, it, And it shows yeah. God's mercy. First and foremost, uh, foremost to me, that love story that God is writing with Israel, that he pursues them consistently. I mean, how often do you see that like in romantic comedies, right? Like boy meets girl, they fall in love. They love each other. Somebody messes up and they fall out of love. And then they come back together at the end. Guess what? They stole that. They stole that from God. <laughs> and
0: God had that copyright.
1: copyright. Right? Copyright.
0: <laughs> all right. So, but, but seriously, and the thing that I think about it uh, uh, too, and I mean, obviously all analogies fail, but being a parent in some ways, mm-hmm. and even being a spiritual father as a priest, you know, I'm, I'm sure they feel the same way. But you see... When you raise children, okay, <laughs> or you, you you just have to kind of let um, you know natural consequences take effect. I mean, think yes. about the Old Testament. You have God. He's pursuing the Israelites. He loves them. He, he, they're his covenant people. He's chosen them among all races. And, they and then they keep making over the over golden
1: again. calves right. and, and like worshiping a piece of wood and that kind of thing. Did you just see
0: the locusts I sent on these folks? Like, what you doing messing around? But anyway, right. that's neither here nor there. So he kind of lets things Happen? He's like, okay, if you if you behave in this way, kind of like I think Bishop Barron calls it spiritual like physics. This is what's going to happen, right? If you are if you isolate yourself away from me, misery, sadness, yeah. bad things are going to happen. So I'm telling you, no to certain things. Not to just be wagging my finger because I'm a a god who just is jealous and wants to see you hop when I say hop. But but I know what's best for you. Like as parents, we know what's best for mm-hmm. our children. Don't go play in the road. It may be fun for a little while until something bad happens. Right. Right. And you know we're not going to let that play out. <laughs> like, right. But you know what I mean. So in the and then the scriptures say in the fullness of time, God came right in the flesh. And so uh, he's he's you know you have that imagery too of. Of God wanting to marry His people, mm-hmm. and of course that's culminated another episode, right? That's culminated with the Paschal Mystery and right. Jesus dying, right. right, for our sins.
1: Yeah, I think that totally comes back and brings it all back. God chose first. God chose. That was the grace, but we have to choose Him back. You know, like this, it, it is a love story. It. I can't be like. I choose you, Casey. What is that movie where she ties him down to a bed and chops his legs off? You know what I'm talking Uh, about? I don't know where you're
0: going. This is real weird.
1: That is if I choose someone and they don't choose me back. You get what I'm saying? We, and God chose us, and if we don't choose him back, he's not going to tie us down. He lets us make that decision. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So anyway, I, um, that was a long tangent, uh, but uh, coming back, uh, just wanted to s- kind of put in here what the catechism says about hell, because I think this is illuminating in a lot of different ways and kind of clears up some misconceptions of what people think hell is or whether God sends you there, et cetera, et cetera. So in paragraph 1033 of the catechism, we, ha- we find, we cannot be united with God unless we freely choose to love him. But we cannot love God if we sin gravely against him, against our neighbor or against ourselves. He who does not love remains in death. There you go with the, the guy who's not forgiven his fellow servant. Mm-hmm. He refuses. He, he, he remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Our Lord warns us that we shall be separated from him if we fail to meet the serious needs of the poor and the little ones who are his brethren. To die in mortal sin without repenting and accepting God's merciful love means remaining separated from Him forever by our own free choice. This state of definitive self-exclusion from communion with God and the blessed is called hell. Okay, so for me that illuminates a few things, but I, the big takeaway take, take is, I mean, it kind of becomes cliche, but God doesn't send you to hell, you send yourselves to hell. I mean... Yeah, that gets bantered about a lot, but I mean, think about it. It's true. If mm-hmm. God is rich in love and and mercy and he's just after you, really the only thing separating him or separating you from him is yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, your persistence in going down your road, mm-hmm. your, your persistence to say, no, I don't want to live that way. God, I've got my own things that I want to do. And you're persisting in those things that he's saying, no, I'm saying no to that, not because I'm just a big grumpy parent, but because I know what's good for you. And that's not good for you. Mm-hmm. That's going to take you down a road that you don't want to be on. Listen to me, mm-hmm. right? I love you. Listen to me. And so, um, that kind of takes away that old, well, God's just, well, if, if God's really loving, why would he send anyone to hell? I mean, that's the free choice card, right? Mm-hmm. We have, we have the choice and to love freely implies a choice. Mm-hmm. If, if there's no choice, to go away from God and, be, and exclude myself of this communion, then it's forced.
1: Yeah. Like you were saying, it's yeah. forced.
0: So I'm bound up in communion with him, whether I like it or not. That's not love.
1: Yeah. We don't, we don't have um dictator God, you know? Right.
0: No. You do what I say when I say it, period.
1: No, it, it's loving father God that, that wants what's best for you, period. Not because he, he just wants what he wants, period. But, because he loves you and wants the best. And and I think that's that's a difficult thing for us to understand. Catholics, Protestants, agnostic, atheists, wherever you are on the spectrum. I think that's difficult. But it's something we need to struggle with, I think. Yeah, and, and, really, and really come to terms with.
0: And really be able to know it for yourself. Because this is something that the culture, when it looks in, has those questions about. Mm-hmm. And is very skeptical about. And says, why do you Catholics believe that or Christians in general? That's just an antiquated holdover from patriarchy you know, or something, right? And uh, just, just you know, it would be an, a nicer, fluffier, um, easier to swallow uh, faith if you could just cut that, excise that part out,
1: right? Yeah, really, if, if we wanted to get more followers, we could just get rid of that, you know, and, and be like, no. Nah. Hippie Jesus, come on, you know? so
0: cool. Check out those lambs he's holding on his shoulder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure he held some lambs, but, you know, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I think that bleeds into what we're going to talk about towards the end of with, the, with the how is just how crucial it is. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of the things that kind of bothered us about, about um, this particular homily was it just, and like I think you, me and you were saying this, to have doubts and struggles it's human. And I think the Catholic Church is so wonderful because it's saying, bring your questions, bring your doubts, bring your frustrations. Let's work them out. But I think the thing that frustrated us with that particular context is you have a priest who represents right the church and you have a whole lot of folks, um, you know, young, maybe impressionable and, you know, people who just... Unfortunately, I don't think it should be the case, but just take what a priest says to be, Mm -hmm. boom, that's what the church teaches. Um, And so we need to be equipped. That's one of the reasons I say read your catechism. Mm -hmm. Read the catechism of the Catholic Church. I mean, you just can't. It's there. So if you have a question, I mean, what? Go to the catechism and find that out. We need to be able to equip ourselves and equip our children and to be able to know these things because, hey, the culture thinks this is ridiculous. Yeah. At, at the at best. <laughs>
1: yeah, right, right. I, so I want to move on into how, because I think this is important. And it, primarily, like Casey was talking about, I think this is something that we should be not scared to talk about. Yeah, it, It's not warm and fuzzy, and I get that. And I'm not a confrontation person. Don't like it even a little bit. But... I will tell you one of the most fruitful conversations I've had in my entire life was with a roommate I had in college who was an atheist. And she said, I just don't understand how God could send anyone to hell. And And I remember having this conversation Before and I, Catholic. I was not Catholic and I was formed, but not well formed. You know, I didn't know a lot and I still know very very minimal things, right? But I remember putting it to her like, hell is the absence of everything that God is, mm, right? Yeah. So if God is good, there's none of that. There's no good. Can you imagine a place like that? Hell is, God is love. So hell is the opposite of love completely there's no love there's no morality there's none of those things that make life worth living there's no life really because god is life death enters through sin which is the opposite of god right it there it's just the opposite of everything that god is all the goodness that god is
0: and, that, and that's what happens too I, I, I always think in analogies i don't know if it's because i'm a teacher and i work with young kids a lot and so that's how their brain can wrap around things i think that's how adults how mm-hmm. our brain wraps around things too is to say well it's kind of like this it falls apart and it's not exactly the same but it kind of works like this and you know when we're in a persistent state you know and this is this side of the veil when we're in a persistent state of sin and ter- being turned away from god and in really towards ourself you know saint augustine called it incarvatus in say in being carved in on yourself that's what sin is you're just you're staring at your navel right navel mm-hmm. gazing and you're all about yourself who's the most when you're in that dark place who's the most annoying obnoxious person in the mm-hmm. world to you
1: yeah well yeah.
0: it's somebody who's full of life who's outward looking right i, I think baron bishop baron gives the analogy of a, a party and somebody who's kind of in the corner, like refusing to join in on the party, and then somebody comes and says, Hey, you want to come dance, Aaron? You want to come and participate? That person is no, oh, that's repulsive to that yeah. person, and that's the kind of trapped mindset you can be in. And if, of course, if you allow yourself to keep going, mm-hmm. it's harder and harder to dig back out, but of course, it's possible, and God always has that
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: mercy about abundant yeah. mercy there for you to pull you back out,
1: yeah. Which all I'm saying is, you don't have to be an expert, no. But when somebody comes and says how could how could a good god send someone to hell i I think it's important that you not shy away from from the facts and say oh well he really doesn't well guess what you didn't do yourself any favors you didn't do them any favors Mm -hmm. they're now able to persist in ignorance true ignorance and i mean that sincerely they can now convince themselves well So-and-so told me that it's not real, so it's not real. Mm -hmm. I can just do whatever I want. That's on your conscience now.
0: And what is, and this is another uh, going along with that, uh, we talked about before we started recording this today. I mean, what is the good news of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. without, you know, a knowledge, without healthy knowledge, not, you know,
1: obsession obsession
0: with it, but without knowledge that sin really is, dangerous to mm-hmm. the soul. It really did sin, the son of God, you know, he took that upon himself. I mean, he died this, people will say, you know, why did he have to die death on a cross? Like, why did it have to be, number one, have to, okay, God, you know, he could have done it. Don't put I mean, God in would, a box. Right. He could have done it a billion different ways. But I think just from my own reflection on this, he did it. I'm sure there were several different reasons why, but one is to, at the very least, to show the gravity of sin, mm-hmm. you know, and our sins truly do, Wound ourselves, our relationship with our brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and our relationship with God. And so He submitted Himself. He went, He He went down to the very depths of God forsakenness, and and He pulled that onto Himself and all the dysfunction, right? And He showed us, right, how much He loves us. Yeah. But at the same time, what this did, right? Look at what, look at my hands, look at the holes in my hands and yeah. my wrists. This is what the sin of the world did, yeah. right? And so we shouldn't forgive forget that, and knowing that makes us appreciate right the one who came to set us free. Right,
1: right, right. because without uh, without some bad news, the good news sounds like mediocre news. Yeah, and, and really,
0: it's and I think about these 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 kids that I, I teach at school. Really, why bother with all this stuff, right? Uh, why bother with confession? Why why are we bothering with trying to live a holy life if it's just basically God has um, come to set you free from a mediocre life like maybe if you but if you want if you want to, but don't strain too much.
1: We if it's want, inconvenient don't, yeah
0: don't get yeah. put out yeah by it. No shake awake Catholics. Yeah. like wake up right Jesus Christ did battle with Satan and hell. He vanquished them. So let's get let's get on his train. Yeah. Let's let's ride to yeah. glory and let's bring as many people as we possibly can. Yeah. And along in that package is a healthy understanding of sin, death, yeah. hell, right? And those places are real. And there are consequences for our sin. There's consequences on being carved in on ourselves and not being open to God. And freaking opening wide the doors for Christ, as Saint mm-hmm. John Paul II said, "Open them wide." Mm-hmm. You know, show them everything. And that's one of the things too. Working with um. Young adults, we did this a little bit at a former parish, and one of the things that millennials and probably Gen Z too, they didn't want from from us the church is for us to hold back on certain
1: things. Yes, they want me, the, the just, truth. This this hell stuff. Let's not talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about
0: coloring sheets of of Jesus and so. No, number one, they want they want all of it. They want the
1: truth, and maybe it's a hard truth. They still want it all. Even if they don't accept it right away. Mm -hmm.
0: That's one of the things, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little animated, but that's one of the things that we talked about on our conversion story to Rome. Even if, I kind of lament, I know it was all in God's plan, right? So nothing was wasted, but I kind of lament the fact that there wasn't someone around earlier that just said, hey, the Catholic Church believes itself to be that one singular church that Jesus Christ established on the Apostles. And you need to be a part of it. Maybe they wouldn't have put it that bluntly. I, I didn't even know anybody thought that. I thought the Catholics were some weirdos off in the corner with their Virgin Mary and Pope statues. Like, I didn't know. <laughs> okay. Somebody friggin' tell me. Yes. And we got to tell people. Obviously, though, there we get this. There's ways of doing it with decorum. There's ways of knowing your situation. We've talked about this before. Know thy audience. Or you don't just come busting in the door. Y'all better get on board, you going to hell. Like, okay, obviously, you know, we we bring people to Christ, not that way, right out the gate. But don't withhold things. Yeah. And when the time comes and presents itself and it's appropriate, you need to tell them. Yeah. You need to tell them about that.
1: Absolutely. So, my challenge for this week.
0: Baptist Catholic Challenge.
1: Right. Is related, but... Le- I'm gonna put this out there. It's a future episode, totally in and of itself. Purgatory is not hell. <laughs> what? Guess what? Purgatory is not limbo. Okay. If you're shooting for purgatory, I stop ugh, it. Stop it.
0: <laughs> Shoot. For aren't it. we glad? Aren't we thankful for the the grace of purgatory? It really is. It is a grace. It is one. But we have to be living our lives in such a way we're abandoned huh. to God and Maya.
1: But
0: But don't just I'll get to purgatory, maybe.
1: Right, right. That's not what we're (laughs) shooting for. We're shooting for the stars.
0: By the grace
1: of God. God. Yeah, only. Okay, so purgatory is not hell. Start there, (laughs) but
0: Work your way up. But
1: I want my challenge this week is for you to pray for the poor souls in purgatory. They are working their way Right, they're they're being purified on the way to heaven, so that's In the
0: antechamber. Yeah, of heaven. I always think of it. Yeah, they're not going to hell afterwards.
1: Right. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, sometimes people. people are like, yeah, it's like the decision room. <laughs> you know, some go to one place, some go to the other, and is- we just decide that no, it was already decided anyway. Another episode, like I said.
0: The eternal, the tribe has spoken. (laughs) No. You're going to heaven, right? If you're in purgatory.
1: And here's an advanced challenge. Oh, snap. Yeah. Advanced. If you want to take it on, is to gain a plenary indulgence for the poor souls in purgatory. A, A poor soul. However God wants to really allocate it, honestly. However he wants to make it work, that's that's the challenge. So you can get those a lot of ways. There's lists online, um, but some of the prerequisites, I guess, um, are that you have to have had the Eucharist that day, um, been to confession within, I think, two weeks prior two weeks after, um, and that you pray for the intentions of the Holy Father that day. So some things I know off the top of my head that will gain a plenary indulgence, Um, praying the rosary in a group or a family. Not alone. That's a partial indulgence, but a plenary indulgence for a a group or family rosary. Um, What are some other things? I think uh, adoration. There's a time amount, and I want to say it's an hour, but I don't know that for sure. Um, But if you can do Eucharistic adoration, I know that one is. I can't remember the time, but that's definitely an indulgence as well, mm-hmm. um, but there's lists online. Look them up if you're if you're interested in the advanced route. Um, look them up and just see if you can gain a plenary indulgence.
0: So yeah, we're not going to get into the technicalities of indulgences in this episode, although uh, we definitely will in uh, one coming up. But just to kind of quell some of the. Uh, folks who might be upset and say, well, indulgences, that doesn't sound like it's a part of of scripture or the Christian tradition. So I just want to take you to one one little verse here in Colossians, and this is St. Paul. He says, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up my flesh, what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, or the sufferings of Christ, for the sake of his body, which is the church. So right there you see that St Paul he's going under suffering suffering for the gospel right suffering because he's out preaching and teaching and, and building up communities for the sake of Jesus and he's offering that up as if it could be applied right to the, the body of Christ to other believers. So as Catholics we say all right that applies to this as well. So whatever works we do it, it, it maybe it's physical suffering maybe it's um you know fasting maybe it's saying a certain prayer or offering up something for someone else, that that can be efficacious, that that can have an impact in other people's life if we're willing to offer it up. All right, guys, so I know that this is, you know, the topic of hell, right, is always something that, that kind of stirs the pot, and, and a lot of people have a lot of different understandings or ideas about what hell is, but I hope this has been uh, illuminative and that at least you're coming away with what the, the catechism teaches about the Catholic, uh, about hell and, and how we can kind of form ourselves and form others so that we're getting the totality of the faith, right? And we're not leaving anything out so that we get the full impact of the good news of Jesus Christ. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Baptist Catholic Show. If you like this episode, please consider subscribing and share. And
1: may God bless you all.